Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Woods Four Quarters, the Harlequins podcast. My name's Will and I'm sat here as always with my cousin Michael after a disappointing defeat at the weekend, but we've got plenty of other things to talk about as well, so we won't dwell on that for too long. Mike, how are you mate? Good weekend? Great weekend. I'm exhausted. I don't know if you can tell, I'm obviously doing this from bed this morning and it's a glorious Sunday morning in Southwest London. I've had a beautiful weekend, long old weekend, but yeah, I'm pretty tired. So today's going to be a bit of a slow one. But yeah, first trip down to Bath. We'll talk about it in a bit. But yeah, it was it was really nice, mate. Bath is Bath is beautiful, beautiful. isn't it? Oh my Loads word! Loads of time for Bath. Yeah, I put, I put really out a tweet it. actually. I don't know if you've. Well, I know you've seen it, but I put out a tweet said how amazing it was. It's probably the best rugby setting I've ever been to. It's yeah, like it Bath cool. is this town built for rugby, and then right in the core of it, they've got the stadium, which is almost like in a little bit of a, a hole in the bottom. So everything sort of faces yeah. into it. And it was just, yeah, it was like shrine-like, the fact that it was, yeah, it was cool. bang in the middle, with floodlights pointing into it. Um, and then I, I actually linked up with you afterwards and we did a little walk out. And we were sort of going through castly bits by the river. It was amazing. It was amazing. But forget that for now. We've got loads of stuff to talk about from the week. Kicking off with a bit of contract renewals, which is brilliant news. Two absolutely massive players for us. Um, not just last season, not just at the start of this season, but we've talked about it a lot. We're going to go through a really tough period now, epitomised by the result of the weekend. And these two players are going to be critical for us. First up was Tyrone Green. Second up was Danny Kerr. Two awesome, awesome players who were instrumental in winning the league last year. Let's start with Tyrone Green because he was the first one out and he had an unbelievable announcement video, didn't he? It was really, really cool. Yeah, that was cool. If you haven't seen it, it was a Japanese anime of Tyrone Green and all his tattoos and sort of fire and, and celebrations. It was brilliant and that obviously ties into Tyrone's interests of having anime tattoos and having a really strong passion for it. So really nice for the club to do little announcement videos like that that, that make a player feel special, make it completely tailored to them. Um, but I thought it was amazing. They need to make posters from it, don't they? Yeah, it was sick, wasn't it? It was um, the announcements have been pretty good actually in the last well recent ones we've had. Obviously, they we had the the, the the Luke the Luke Northmore sneaking up behind Dommers one was good. Yeah, um, and then obviously there was the teaser with Danny, who obviously we'll talk about in a second with the old ski ski goggly oh, bits. And, that was good fun. Yeah, it was good fun. But yeah, no, the Tyrone Green one. I mean, anime not my thing, but if it's if it's for him, it's for him, and if he keeps making obviously a slight. Slight lapse in form, which we'll, which we'll go on to as well. But yeah, I think it's amazing the sort of the, the way that he's become part of us. I find incredibly amazing. Like just interesting in terms of how it happened. Like come from mm. South Af- come from South Africa in a little bit of uncertainty. Didn't know a huge, huge amount about him. Then we had no. COVID, so didn't play for a long time. And then he's filled, you know, in my opinion, the, the shoes of one of the greatest players to ever play for the club. My Absolutely, hero, Mike yeah. Brown. And hasn't Mr. B, Premiership winner, you know, probably the the, the hero of Bristol and just super consistent most of the time. And yeah, it, it's, it's it's a pretty cool story of how his journey has brought him here. And I'm I'm excited to see him, you know, crack on for another three years. Oh, absolutely. I think three years is the key key element of the deal here, isn't it? He's not going anywhere anytime soon. He's he's in it for the long haul. We've got a good opportunity to go back to back this year. We're only going to gain more and more momentum as as we've had about 10 players, I think it is now, give or take a couple, re-sign in the last few weeks. And that's a real statement for 
for the long term. So all these long term deals, three year deals, absolutely brilliant. Um, I think you make a really good point there about his journey. This time last year, he'd only just broken onto the scene, really, against Newcastle away, a couple of tries. Prior to that, I knew very little about him. Yeah. And the, his trajectory in his career to go take the 15 shirt, win the Premiership, become one of the best players in the league, be talked about for South Africa. I don't think he's too far away from a South Africa call-up. He's only 23. He's going to be with us Is he at really? least... He's only 23, mate, yeah. So three-year deal, he'll be with us until he's at least 26, which is arguably prime time for a fullback, maybe even slightly later. So we've got him for a good age in his career for progression and development and a time where he could be breaking through international level. So I think he's world-class. I know there's a little bit of chat about his form over the last few weeks, but we know what he can do. We know how talented he is. And I would never drop him. He's one of those players you can't drop. He's, he's too good to drop. Um, we'll talk about it a little bit later on about how we probably rejig the squad a little bit. I think Nick David's been playing brilliantly as well. And if anything, I might even run him out at fullback as a promotion as opposed to to dropping Ty and maybe shift Ty to the wing because I think David's deserved it. But I would never drop Tyrone Green. I think he's exceptional and he's never too far away from a good game. And um, he's about to get a good run of them now, so... Come on, Ty. Yeah. Get it back, boy. I'm 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 just looking on his Instagram now of when he signed. So it was 4th of June 2020. Um, so we're just towards the back of lockdown. And then you think about the turnaround from almost a year to the end of June when we mm. won it. When when do we first see him? Newcastle away? Yeah. Two tries. When was and when and when was that? Like probably about this time last year. Maybe about this time last year, a week or two after this, yeah. What a shift in fortunes that is. I know it was the expense of Brownie, but not. I, I would be far, far stretched to think that anyone in the club, fan, coach, player, maybe in the squad, support, or whatever, would have expected him to be as good as he has and fill the boots of Brownie mm. as well as he did. I certainly didn't, but you know, over the moon that he has and. Yeah, he's going to be massively important for us going forward. And, you know, what a boy. Absolutely. And, and talking about him as a person as well, he's he's quite humble, isn't he? He keeps himself to himself. Yeah. He seems quite shy. We actually met him at the Premiership final after party, didn't we? And he was very much keeping himself to himself. I don't know if he was in a sort of state of shock or whether it had really sunk really? in for him yet. It probably hadn't. It was so fresh. It hadn't really sunk in for us either, had it? And obviously we hadn't been in on that journey like they had in terms of training every week and the belief you get and playing yeah. the 80 minutes. But I think he seems like a really liked character in the squad. Um, everybody loves him and I can't wait to see how he grows with the rest of the boys. And then someone at a different end of their career, club legend. He's unlucky we haven't got enough bars because he'll probably be next to, to have one named <laughs> after him. <laughs> He's gutted that Robbo and Brownie left before him because we've run out of bars. But but there is a stand or two <laughs> knocking around. So maybe, oh, maybe this, maybe maybe that's it. Maybe it's the Danny Care South stand. The Danny Care South stand couldn't be the North stand, could it? It's not loud enough. Too small. He's got a loud mouth, isn't he? So <laughs> yeah. too small. I'm not sure that's a problem. <laughs> um, but yeah, Danny Care. It's not been disclosed how long his contract is, but I would imagine at this stage it's probably a one-year deal because that would suit yeah. both parties fairly nicely. He referenced in his his interview afterwards it took a while to get it over the line. 
not surprised about that. He's he's at a latter stage of his career. He wants to get as much money as he can before he, he has to hang it up. That's fair. Um, we obviously have got a, a salary cap to manage, bearing in mind that it gets reduced from next season as well. Um, but I'm I'm over the moon about that one, mate. I think he's been instrumental for us. He's he's probably playing a very different role to what he first played when he joined Quinns and when he first broke into the international scene. He's a very different player now. And I would argue as good as he has ever been. Yeah, I think I'll go with that. Um, I wonder sort of, you know, the references he's made there is taking a while to get things over the line. I think that is maybe just more about um, making sure that he's got everything in his contract that he wants to then set him up post rugby. Um, you know, yeah, he's, obviously, well. he's obviously not going to now go down the sort of French route or he's not going to go down the American route. He probably thinks, you know, while I'm still playing well, I mean, who's to say that at the end of next year, he doesn't sign another one year deal. If he's still well, playing I, well. I can see that happening, you know, because I think he's got a couple of young kids. He's very settled. He's got a good little media gig going on. He's got a lovely routine. Yeah. He's playing with a brilliant squad. He said it's the best atmosphere he thinks he's ever had at Quinn's, which speaks volumes when you think about the players he played with from academy groups, such as Marlers yeah. and, and Rob Shaw's and Browns, obviously Marla's still there, but and Jordan Turner Hall, his best mate, who he played with for so long, and he thinks the current group, the current atmosphere is the best it's ever been. So I think that speaks volumes for where the club's going and having somebody of his experience talk to it like that is really kind of impactful for fans to hear. So that's great. That's really great. Yeah. But I, I just think, you know, the way that he's going, I wouldn't even be remotely surprised if this stays next year, February, March time. We finished the playoffs again this year. Maybe we go close. Danny's still playing well. You know, people are still chirping on about him going back to England. It's obviously not going to happen. But, mm. you know, if he's still in the spotlight of, I'm one of the best nines in the league. I'm playing with a really exciting squad. I'm playing with a squad that's winning. I'm playing with a squad that's competing. We might have a crack in Europe this year. You know, I yeah. wouldn't be surprised if it's like, the, you know, the, like you said, the old Arsene Wenger thing, the old tick over one year deals yeah. until, you, until you physically can't go anymore. And then the longer he stays, the longer he plays, the more stuff he does outside of rugby probably sets him up for the next 10, 15 years. So he's he's a smart, he's a smart man, Dan. He's a smart rugby player. So I think it's um I think he's got exactly what he wants. And you know, I'm buzzing buzzing to see him still be here. Is that how you would describe it? You're buzzing. Yeah, I think so. Like I just it's he's fun to watch, isn't he? And he's yeah, still he's, he's still got all the traits of the Danny Care that played for England, you know support lines he still scores tries i actually think his kicking game at the minute is really really good like some of his kick his kicking game on um on friday night down the wreck was exceptional in some tricky conditions as well he's still world class isn't he so you know long as long as he thinks he can still play at the level he thinks he can play at keep yeah. him there i think relief is the word i would use to describe it if we if we'd lost him or if we'd found out at this stage of the year in january that he was moving on i think the atmosphere in the group probably changes slightly. Looking ahead to next year, I'm thinking, Christ, we need to go and recruit a world-class nine because Marcus is going to be away quite a lot of the season. Your nine is going to be so important. You're going to need to recruit somebody big. So uh, I'm relieved he's staying because I know we'll have him for the full season. I know his experience and he's, he's going to be critical for us in moments like this. And he's, even when we've got everybody else back, he just, I think he makes Marcus a better player. I think he makes Don Brandt a better yeah. player. Um and oh, sure that they're... axis of that axis yeah. of eight, nine, ten is the best. It's still the best in the league, isn't it? Yeah, I don't want to see that end yet. Don't want to see that. No. End yet. Anyway, 
two pieces of good news there. We'll, t- we'll move on to Bath, which we can probably say is a bit of bad news because I don't think anybody was expecting <laughs> it, apart from maybe Quinn's fans because everybody <laughs> in the league didn't give Bath a sniff. Even Bath fans didn't give Bath a sniff. I was speaking to a few of their fans and they were very outspoken about the state of their club at the moment, which, fair enough, it's how, how we act as yeah. fans, isn't it? But we spoke about it in the build-up. It would be so Quincy of us to fuck Hello. it up. And we did. They've been on the ropes, perhaps even been on the canvas, but today, up on their feet and knocking over the champions. We had wholesale changes, we had injuries, we had England call-ups, we had Bath looking to bounce back, we had a Bath side with new players like Nathan Hughes who needed to make an impact for his career, really. Everything was kind of up in the air. And we're so hit and miss. More often than not, been, we're, we're hit. Yeah. And in the last few weeks, we've played poorly and won because we've had quality all over the park in internationals. This week, we played poorly and lost. And the difference is probably because we didn't have those internationals. If you put Marla Domers and, and Marcus into that game, and it's as tight as it was, we probably get over the line. And I think that's the difference over the last few weeks. We haven't been brilliant, but we've had the quality to, to edge us across. And we didn't have it this week. Such a banana skin, wasn't it? Like mm. Friday night, yeah. Bath looking for a bounce back. They'd just been pumped by seventy points in Europe as well. It had everything. It had all the hallmarks of it. We should go down there and put in a really, really professional performance. There'll be a few lads who get a few more minutes than they otherwise would in terms of people away. They stand up, and you think, okay, now we're in a really good spot. You know, we've just beaten Bath. We've got a gritty game against Sale at home next week. We're in a good spot. And then 80 minutes rolls right, rolls by and it's four points down. And yeah, it's cold and it's a little bit wet. And you think, God, everything went right for Bath and they deserved it. And we didn't get going. And it just, yeah, massive banana skin. I remember talking to you and you and Dave on the way down. And I don't know if I felt nervous for it, but I just felt it was one of those games where you think I'm not as confident as I should be because I know how these storylines work. You know, almost know how some of these yeah. games pan out. And then we had 10 minutes of sustained pressure at the far end of the ground where I was sitting. Scrum penalty after scrum penalty after scrum penalty. Didn't come away with any points. And then even though David we didn't take the lead. I'm right just... in front of me down that end. Yeah. And then I'm just sort of thinking... Mm. This this could be a this could be a tricky night. It's just sort of one of those things, and you can think ah, maybe this isn't going to go as as we hoped. But yeah, I'd I'd had Bath in the diary for a long time actually. Um, mm. Obviously went went down after school, zipped down there on the train, popped over ran down to this little Airbnb that I was staying in, showered up, and then we went to the boater. Yes, just next door. Well, we we went there as well, but I think I was in there about an hour before you and left about an hour before you to get to the ground and sort of explore around there. But we we missed each other, didn't we? But it was it's I think rugby resort is so such a like correct way of saying it. I got off the train and I saw you come out the station and you you walk into that little sort of open bit of bath, and it's it's right like it's almost like looking down into a pit of like. You can imagine like the Hunger Games or something taking place in there and all these people are sort <laughs> yeah. on the back of the stadium looking outside. Yeah. And it's this big shine, shining thing in the middle of it is the, is the stadium and, you know, all four corners of the ground are sort of on, on little rises and 
Yeah, mate, it was great. I loved, I loved it. It's never, never in a way that I'd done before. I'd been to Bath once before in my life. Yeah, neither. Um, and it was for a game of hockey. We lost three nil. I had thirty seconds into the first half, uh, and then I didn't see the pitch again. And then we all got a bollocking bar coach. So I didn't have happy memories of going down there. Um, but no, it was class. Really, really enjoyed it. Lovely little spot, and it is really, it really is a rugby town, isn't it? It is. It was also my first Bath trip. It was on my rugby bucket list actually to go down to the wreck because I'd heard yeah. such good things about it and everyone talks about how shit the stadium is but I actually quite I quite liked it I thought it was full of I character and um, I know there was no cover over to the stands and had the flags <laughs> I maybe would have liked it were... less had it <laughs> yeah <laughs> I maybe would have liked it less if it was pissing down but it was okay I didn't get well, that I was okay I was undercover but I mean it's part of, part of the experience isn't it but I had the best time I, I drove down with my dad and me sort of parked on one of those big wide sort of old school roads then went straight to the boater and caught up with uh, someone called Billy Watson and his wife Cassie who works in the ticketing team spent most of pre-match with them just having a few drinks and catching up he was saying how he he listens to the pod all the time and he's a bodyguard um, and he's currently doing some Kenyan billionaire's house um, and he's a bodyguard there and he's got his earpiece in one ear and he's got his airpod in the other ear listening to us <laughs> which I thought was pretty cool Um and yeah, Cassie works in the club and the ticketing team. So we need to utilize that relationship a little bit more, don't we? That could be quite handy. But no, those two yeah. are great fun. We actually went down from the boat uh, to the ground fairly early. Good good 45 minutes hour. So we could see the players coming in. Um, they're obviously mates. That's really cool, isn't it? Where they sort of come in, the, you know, underneath the stand and into the... That's, that's a really Mate, cool bit. it felt like a football stadium because you know how at the steep you've got the southwest corner with all the food vans and they're all independent. It wasn't like yeah. that at Bath. All the food stalls and bars were sort of built into the stadium and it was all owned by Bath. There was no sort of independence there. And then the tunnel is coming out of one of the stands behind the posts and you can stand underneath it in the concourse area and the players are coming in and out from there. You're really in, in the mix with it all. Um, but Billy and Cassie knew a load of the staff, a load of the players. So they were stood down there just having a chat with them. Um as the players were coming in, I got that little video for our Instagram story. Jack Moss Lusky. pumps his fist up the pod. <laughs> up the pod. <laughs> Go on, boy. That was good. I really rated that, actually. Really rated that. Um, but yeah, I had a good little good little period with those guys before the game. As we were starting to jet around to the other side of the stadium where we were sat, I bumped into Bej and his wife and his little boy, Ewan, who was his birthday, his ninth birthday. Honestly, I've never seen someone so battered. Burge made him do nine Jager bombs. One for every year. <laughs> I can't wait for his tent. <laughs> um, but no, it was good fun catching up with those guys, particularly when we had Bergeron last week as well. So it was good to see them. Um, got images now this nine-year-old rolling. <laughs> Just got images in my head of this yeah, nine-year-old oh, rolling. Was off his head. Honestly, he was trying to get me to do a bomb as well. I was like, all right, it's your birthday. I'll do one. Um, I'm joking, <laughs> by the way. I'm sure everyone gathered that, but... <laughs> That's right. And then one more shout out. I went round to the far stand, um, the really cool one, which is almost like theatre style seating sort of stacked up on top of each other with um, with the roof above it. And there was Ben and you and Laws were sat around that side as well, which I was quite reassured by because I thought I was the only sort of Quinns fan, me and my dad in that block. <laughs> and it was nice to have a bit of reinforcements, but I had such a good chat with with those two. Did you see the the Twitter conversation between you and dad and, and Laurie 
before the game. Yes. Basically, yes, um, that was sick, they were struggling it? to get parking in sort of a reasonable distance for you and, and to make it easy for them. And Laurie replied saying, you can have my parking space right by the ground, which was brilliant. Um, that was sick, wasn't it? That was so cool. That was a great little interaction. And I think we replied to him as well saying, this is what we absolutely love about, about Laurie, but also about the club. It's so community orientated. That's what community is, right? It's all about the people. Um, yeah, and you got to support each other and help each other where we can. And so much time for that from Laurie. So much time for that. Yeah, it was cool. But yeah, those guys stayed overnight and, and spent a bit of a day in Bath. I think Berge and and you and his wife as well stayed down there. So obviously you did the same, but you had to jet back on the train Saturday morning for your hockey game. But I think yeah. a lot of people spent a bit of a weekend down there, and I can understand why now that I've experienced it because it really was beautiful. Yeah, 100%. I think it is the sort of place you go for a weekend. Um, and yeah, some cool stories actually there. You know, good friend of ours, Bears, and his, his lad had his birthday down there getting, um, I think Bears texted me actually, like ripped him out of school as soon as he can. And got <laughs> in the car. I think he got an um, early exit. He really played his cards well. Yeah, Probably similar right. to you. I got, yeah, I was, well, I had to butter a few people up during the week and say, look, I'll, I'll cover, I'll cover this or I'll do next to that if I can just sort of squeeze out a little bit early. But yeah, no, it was good, mate. Really, really good. And yeah, the train back in the morning was a bit of a bit of a pain. But should we talk about the game? Unfortunately. Yeah. One thing I will say about the game is annoyingly, we only got three tries. Um, but every game we've played this year, we've taken at least a point away from it. We've never had a game yeah, where we've come away so empty-handed. So whilst we didn't get the win, we we still got a losing bonus point. How frustrating is it we didn't get one more try because that would have been the bonus point and probably the win, which would have been a real sort of smash and grab from the way that the game panned out. But our three tries were scored by Academy Products. So first one, Dino Lamb down the wing, directly in front of me, sprained his ankle in the act of scoring and comes straight off. We've lost Will Collier imminently before to what I think was a knee injury, which is really concerning when you're a prop forward. I and- thought it was a HIA. So, yeah, I mean, the, the overview I've got on my phone here says that obviously Lamb's try was in the 11th minute and it was yeah. galloping down the wing. Jesus, him in full flight. I wouldn't want to stand in front of that. Um, and then, yeah, Collier coming off in the, what was it, 16th, 17th minute. That is a concern, isn't it? Yeah, massive concern. He's one of those people. And we'll get onto it in a little bit, actually. It's quite a good talking point for us. But the people that are going to get you through this Six Nations period are your journeymen. Your stalwarts, your people like Danny Kerr, yeah. your, your Simo, your Will Collier. Um, so you don't want to lose any of them for any games. And other clubs will have the same thing. You think about Wasps with Brad Shields and Jimmy Gopeth and and people of that ilk. Um, you don't want to lose them. And you think about Saris, Saris and Alex Good and Hughes, yeah. yeah, exactly. You you need those people at this time of year. So we don't want to lose any of them, particularly Will Collier, who's been the best tight head in the league for me. So that is a shame. Yeah. But yeah, no, our, our three tries came from Academy Products with Dino down that that right-hand side in the first half, Caden down the left-hand side in the first half, and then George Hammond wrapping it up towards the end. So that's a positive we can take. Yeah, absolutely. It just never felt like we got going, did it? It no. just never felt like we started We started really executing it. And it was unfortunate, actually, because actually the, the tries that we did score were very our DNA tries. You know, especially pays. the Caden one. <coughs> yeah, especially the Caden one. Um, you're right; they all were. Thinking back to all of them, they all they, were. They were. Yeah. They all felt like tries that we score a lot of, which is why I think it was so frustrating. We just didn't have enough time in the, on the ball. No, um, I think Tab said we had thirty percent possession. You're never going to win a game of rugby in the it, Premiership no. like that. 
Never. I mean, if, if if any if any team will do it, maybe it is us with the quality that we strike do have. Rate. Make, strike yeah, strike rate is a really good term. Um, you know, making making use of the possession that you do have. But mm. yeah, we just didn't quite have enough of it. I think I think Ben Spencer controlled the game very nicely. He was um, great. He's probably he's, a left, he's left really... peg like Nadal's left arm. Doesn't yeah, miss. it's a lovely sort of cultured left boot, isn't it? Mm. Um, I wonder whether he was in and around the England mix, but he's going to be very, very important to Bath in the next few weeks, you know, yeah. given that they obviously want to start just having a little resurgence in form. He's going to be crucial to them. Um, Will, Will Muir, the horse with his two tries, like people that I don't want to tackle, he's pretty quite high on the list, just like knees and elbows, gangly, just yeah. sort of running through so people. Horrible. We were sat behind like, his dad and his brother. Um, oh which really? Was, which was actually quite nice because when he scored, they were, he was made up. Like, his dad must go to every single game, but every time every time he scores a try, he still absolutely loves it. He was like zooming in, taking a photo of him. He's probably got hundreds of nice. photos of him playing for Bath, and it was like the most dad photo zoomed in, fairly blurry, but he still got <laughs> yeah. it. Um, and obviously, he got injured in the act of scoring and walked around the pitch, and they were trying to get his attention, but they couldn't quite get it. And they were really gutted that they couldn't get his attention, but. It was quite quite a nice wholesome moment when uh, when he did score, as, as annoying as it was for us. Um, I actually had a load of sort of, I'm pretty sure they were football fans, Bath fans behind me, just swearing the whole time, making dreadful comments, oh, really? just banter that it was, wasn't funny. And yeah, it was a little bit painful, but um, every time Quinn scored, it was nice to, to get up and, and get loud in front yeah. of them. I uh, I did I did get a little bit sort of loud and boisterous. I mean, we were I was actually in the end with quite a lot of um, Quinn's fans poking around. Yeah, you did well with your seats, didn't you? That corner yeah, was, was very good. much the Quinn's hub. Well, they were sort of on the other side to where we were the main hub, but we were obviously just sort of surrounded by quite a few of them. In the standing um, bit, so yeah, the, no, it was we were we were the first row behind the standing bit. Ah, um, so we were we were in the seats, but there was quite a lot of standing during the game because obviously it was up and down and. I'm yeah, no, pretty just, sure, by the way, Tom Lauday was in that stand, stood up with a load of Quinns fans as well, which I think I is so saw cool. a photo. I saw a photo with somebody. I didn't know who yeah, it was, but yeah, I, I did rate see that him. So highly. Will Evans away at Bristol is near the, the boys getting involved. Yeah. Although um, I think we massively missed Tom Lauday yesterday, just a little bit yes. of control in the pack. Yes, um, absolutely. We put a tweet out as well. Actually, I did a little bit of maths at the end of the game. We were obviously riddled by injury, losing Luke Wallace to I think something like a broken arm. Dino to a sprained ankle. Um, and then, of course, Taolani sort of hobbles off towards the end. I think he was just out on his feet because he'd played a full eight, yeah. well, as close to an 80 as possible on at number eight, which is not not the same role as a six. Um, but our back row at the end was George Hammond, who's a second row. Archie White, who's probably played about five minutes this season, and Jack Walker, <laughs> who'd spent the previous entirety of the game playing hooker. <laughs> How about that for a makeshift back row? I but I did a bit of maths, and the average age of our pack was just 22 years old at the end of the game. Obviously, we had a few injuries go off, and you lose the likes of Collier. Um, and we ended up with, with Simo, the oldest there, 32, Kerrod, 29, and then the rest were very, very young. Hammond's about 20, I think Tizard's 20 or 21. Um, you had Walker, who's about 25, playing back row. Archie White, I think about 24. Sam Ryan, Riley. about 20. And Hooker, <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. The average age of our pack at the end of that game, 22 years old. So I think it's not a surprise that that was the result, given how many changes were made. First time they've all played together. 
you end up with that many knocks throughout the game. You can't really build any partnerships, gather much momentum. It just makes you think the first 10, 15 minutes when we had everyone on the field, we had all those combinations sort of rehearsed within yeah. the week. We needed to cash in at that at that moment in time. Obviously, you can't foresee injuries, but it really did no. cost us in the end. I think I'll sort of just say my piece on this is before we wrap up the sort of game chat. I just think it was it was just it just was their night. And I don't think you can sometimes spin it more clearly than that. Obviously, there's loads more detail to it, but sometimes you just come up against a side that yeah. have got your number on the on the night. You know, nobody expects Nathan Hughes, or maybe maybe this is the thing. Maybe people do expect someone like Nathan Hughes, who has had a, a rough year playing in the championship last week for Gloucester Hartbury, you know. And then he comes back in a, with a man of the match performance, looked like the international that he was three or four years ago. Spencer was excellent, gave Tyrone Green nightmares all night with that sort of big sweeping left boot. A Jomo, what was it? His first start at 10 ever in the Premiership. Jonathan Joseph's 150th cap. It just sort of it just went their way. Um, yeah. just like you've said previously, in the fact that we've kind of written our own scripts over the last few weeks, and this was yeah, very I much one so. for them, wasn't it? I think so. And sport does that, doesn't it? You know, yeah. sport's got a funny way of making it's a, well, it's a great equalizer for everything, you know. And it, it probably just was, it was in their, it was in their, you know, it was in their script that night. And what ours was, ours was a little bit different. We didn't quite get going. We had glimpses of actually the quality and the the, the excitement and the attacking of prowess that we do have. Um, and then obviously in the minute, we're going to talk about, you know, some personnel. But yeah, it wasn't quite our night, but we've obviously got a massive, massive challenge against Sale on Sunday. And one that I'm now a little bit nervous for having, you know, been beaten on Friday night. We've now got, to, we've now got to face some, some horrible, horrible, gnarly, snarling sharks that I don't like playing at the best of times, and I certainly don't like playing them in you know horrible physical context up at the AJ Bell. So luckily it's at home, but injuries are a concern now. And we, I think you said you know we're not going to usually we'd go through like a um, pick your team for next week selection dilemmas who do you think's in who do you think's out who do you think plays here but I think today or looking ahead to Sunday it's more a case of who have we got who the bloody, who the bloody hell have we got well yeah it's funny because um, we tried to do this for the Bath game and obviously you miss a load of players through Six Nations call-ups we don't always know who's injured and the fitness level of different players I was surprised there was no Will Edwards on the bench I was expecting Lord A and Chisholm neither of them were in a squad um, actually at the game I saw Steph Louise there not in an e-brace with his boots on out with the boys he wasn't warming up yeah. but he was out and about so that filled me with a bit of hope and if he is back he might have to play six this weekend because we've got no fit back rows yeah, that's such, that's I think Taolani was just just sort of cramping I think he'll be good to go next week he might have to play eight again I don't know what's going on with Lord Day I don't know what's going on with Cheers we're now out well, of, we're out of open side flankers if, if Wallace is gone so I put the question out to some of our listeners on Twitter and Facebook. If you could make one loan signing for the next two months, in the same way that Bath have just done it with Nathan Hughes, and yeah. Nathan Hughes probably would have been a good answer to this question for us. If you could make one loan signing, what position and who would it be? So I hadn't, I tried to think about this, but I couldn't, I couldn't think of anything that, would have made like sense or would have been um a bit more 
I'm trying to think, you know, not completely outlandish, you know, let's go and get Ali Saver, let's go and get Michael Hooper, let's go and get the Pond. There's some know, brilliant whatever. answers, by the way. And there are actually, before answers. you answer, shall I go through some of them just to give you a bit of a clue of, of what the general consensus is from Quinn's fans? So Jamie thinks Ruin Ackerman would be good. Yeah. Um, Quinn of the North, someone like Courtney Laws or a Michael Hooper. Um, Dave Rogers wants some South African mutant that can cover the second row and <laughs> six and eight. Uh, Will Humphreys wants someone like Lewis Ludlam. John Turner says Nathan Hughes would be great. Kieran says Ardy Surveyor. I think that's a brilliant shout. I think our New Zealand partnership, if, it's, if it still exists, is exactly the, the thing we need to capitalise on here and, and maybe get a return favour from the Blues for loaning out March not too long ago. Mike says Ben Curry. Uh, Jack Cooper's thinking someone like Josh Van der Fleer or Kalen Doris. Um, someone's even shouted for Chris Robshaw to come back. Um, <laughs> my two pence in all of this is we're never going to get a player. Um, well, A, a few of them are playing the Six Nations. So they're not going to be an option to help us out at this moment in time. And, and B, I don't think we're ever going to get a player from a, a rival premiership club. So anyone in the top six that's looking at playoffs, I don't think we'll get anyone from them. So... I think we need to be a bit realistic about it. And I would probably go along the same theme in terms of we need a back row, ideally a seven that can cover eight. Um, seems to be the general consensus. And I probably agree with that. There is maybe a question over tight head prop if Collier's injury is a little bit more longer term. And I think Wilco is still four weeks away. So that could be a one month deal. What's, what's do, you do, you think might, do you know who might have been good? Do you know who might have been good? And I've just, I've just, as you've been talking about, just done my research because one name actually did spring to mind just now. And I just did my research on whether or not he was in the squad. Unfortunately, he just made his return at the weekend um, against Exeter. I know he's been injured for a while and I know he lives in Teddington. And I don't know who I'm talking about. Mm, well, it's going to be a London Irish player, isn't it? It's, uh... It's not to a suey, is it? No. Oh, I don't know. Sean O'Brien. Oh, uh, maybe. Oh, uh, yeah, he's maybe. just he's just just come back from from he's just, well he's just returned from injury this weekend. If he was like he would be he'd be handy, wouldn't he? Experience. If he was there or there if he was there or thereabouts in terms of injury and not quite being one hundred percent fit, yeah, he might have been perfect. You know. Well, I don't disagree down the with that because. I think a huge part of this loan signing isn't someone that just fills that position. It's got to be a stalwart. It's got to be a journeyman, someone with loads of experience that's going to be able to guide a team through this period for us, along with Danny, along with Simo, along with Collier, hopefully. Um, so it needs to be that kind of experienced head. Um, that's not a bad shout. I've, I've got a few rogue ones for you. I think Sam yeah. Underhill would be great. Yeah. Can't see Bath letting him go there if he's fully fit. But Bath have got nothing to play for. But I think you're right. I can't see assets. it. But I, I don't think it's totally out of the question. We could, though, wouldn't he? Sam Underhill's he, got an opportunity to go win a premiership if he comes on loan to us. Yeah, I suppose that's pretty true. And then... Um, it, it might be something that he would want to do, wouldn't he? You know, would, on loan... Well, if it was on loan with a two-month loan deal. I, mean, I don't know how these sort of loan deals come about. I don't know how they sort of fragment and how they... Sort of come to fruition. Maybe it was like forward. maybe it's a two month loan deal with the option of an end of a season. Yeah, if he plays well for two months. Oh yeah, yeah, got you. Really yeah, well. yeah, that's fair. And then we've and then we've got like loads of still injuries, and he's still playing well, and, and we 
playing for us in Europe, maybe that's possible. I don't know. I'd also think maybe have a sniff around Newcastle where you've got a few relationships like Dean Richards and Nick Easter. They're not playing for anything anymore. Someone like yeah. a Mark Wilson. Um, yeah, I actually, nice I actually even said to you and Dave Rogers, if he wasn't a walking yellow card, someone a little bit nasty like a Carl Ferns who can come in and, and play the rough boy role yeah. for us in those gritty contests on a Friday night at the wreck where it's a little bit of a little bit of ha- not handbags, but it's a tight contest of big hits and Nathan Hughes is running around nailing people. Where's Carl Ferns, the enforcer, just to do a job for us and be a bit nasty? Um, experienced head. Um, not the answer in this occasion. I'd love to go to our New Zealand partnership. It's blue sky thinking, but they're available. Yeah. Ardi Surveyor, Kira Yuani. Someone mentioned Michael Hooper, obviously not from the New Zealand partnership, but the only thing with those guys is they haven't been playing. Yeah. Um, Robbo's about to start a season with San Diego, so I don't think we'll be able to get him over. (laughs) So it is a tough one. But I think we're all agreed seven and eight is kind of the space where we need to recruit at least short term. And and Hughes would have been good for that. And it's a shame we didn't get there quicker. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I suppose we'll see. We'll see. This is the thing. Usually we've got a reasonable idea of what's going to come up in front of us in terms of selection in the next in the next week. But just we don't. We don't know the time frames on injuries. We don't know who's no. potentially returning. We don't know who's unavailable or not available. So we'll see. Um, we'll have to we'll have to figure it out. But yeah, yeah, it's well, going to be your birthday down the soup on Sunday, isn't it? So it is going to be, be um, my birthday, be, and I'm really worried we're going to lose. Hopefully, a good celebration, if not a defeat of the yeah. sale. Yeah, we'll see. Um, whilst we can't predict the team, I'd love to get your thoughts on fly half because. Tommy Allen feels a little bit safe to me. I really like him as a player. I think he's really classy. He was brilliant first game of the season against Newcastle. But since then, I just think he's a bit safe. I don't see him grab the game by the scruff of the neck and guide Quinns to a victory. I don't see much flair from him. I know we used to Marcus, but I think Will Edwards brings us more flair. Um, who's playing fly half for you against Sale? I think... I mean, I was surprised actually to not see Edwards in the squad on Friday night. Yeah, he was um, there, but he wasn't in the squad. I remember he was warming up no. in front of me as Sweet Caroline was playing and he was singing along to yeah. me whilst doing a few runs, which I thought was good value. I think I think this is the way that I I can sort of conceptualise this, right? I've not seen Tommy Allen, and I know it's because of injury and whatever else, I've not seen him put in a performance as good as Will Edwards' performance at big game in the Quinn shirt. Mm. And I think that's sort of the way I think about it. You know, if I've seen both of them play at their absolute best, obviously not what they're both capable of ceiling wise, but the best performance that they have given in the Quinn shirt, I think Will Edwards' performance at 10 against Northampton was a better one than I've seen Tommy put in. And I know Tommy is a different 10. I'd like to see Will Edwards get it, and maybe this is the way it works. You know, for sixty minutes, we go at them. It's ball in hand. It's hopefully a little bit drier. The pitch down at the stoop is hopefully in a little bit better condition than at the wreck. And we just go at them. It's a Sunday afternoon in the sunshine, and we go at them, and it's ball around. It's it's everything that we you know do and we expect. And then maybe when we're just need a little bit of control in the game. Tommy comes on, maybe kicks a little bit smarter, puts in some better field positions. So personally, and I obviously don't know what happens in training. I don't know what happens during the week, but as of right now, I'd, I'd like to see whatever's getting odd, I think. Mm. 
I'm I'm up in the air. I'd I'd go free. The only reason I'd say that I would like to see Will Edwards play next week. The only trouble is next week we're against Sale, and I think that's more of a Tommy Allen kind of game where the boot and the ball is going to be critical to to territory to points. And Sale is always one of those nitty gritty games where that's kind of what Maybe. dictates the the result. So yeah, I'm not even going to make a prediction, mate, because. I just don't know anymore. And I was yeah. fucking miles away on my last prediction. So I'm <laughs> going to give up with it. <laughs> um, moving on. We didn't lose yeah. everything this weekend because nope. the Harlequins women's team managed to get a bonus point win at home against Gloucester Hartbury, which is absolutely massive in the context of their Big season. Um, Big the win. start of this year, we had a postponement against Worcester and then we kind of lost our momentum that we, we'd gathered at the back end of last year. We went and lost away to Exeter with the last kick of the game, which was incredibly painful. One that we'll be kicking ourselves kicking ourselves over for a long time. But then to come back at home, play against the playoff rival in Gloucester and to get the bonus point win is absolutely massive. And it wasn't just a good result for the team, but also the fact that they're depleted by injuries as well. I think we had four hookers in the squad. Sarah Beckett, yeah. our number eight, had to play in the second row with Rosie Gallagher, yeah. which, which Be- I get... Beck's in the like, row. I quite like that because they're like the two hardest hitting players that we've got in our team. Imagine that engine room of those two just running around, nailing people and carrying hard. And Well, it kind of worked in the end because two of our tries were rolling mules for Amy Cocaine. Um, the first one was from an enormous scrum where we pushed them back about 10 metres, got the penalty against the head. And then we go to the corner and then we drive them over from about 15 metres out from the rolling mall. So the pack looks really, really strong. And when we've got a team at home and we've got a strong pack like that, I don't think there's many teams that can beat us. Um, the only side that might is the side that we've got next in the game changer, which is Saracens. And Huge. That's huge. That's massive because the result we just got against Gloucester Hartbury now puts us seven points clear of them. Um, with us in fourth and them in fifth. So we've got a nice little buffer over the playoff spots now, which is brilliant. It's always nice to have that comfort. But we've also got a game in hand. And not only are we sat on 40 points, but so are Exeter above us and Mm -hmm. Bristol are 41 points above them. Um, And we've got a game in hand over Exeter. So we should be at least third, potentially even second, by the time we've played Worcester and got that that game in hand back. but how good would it be to see the double over Saris this weekend? Yeah. I was disappointed, actually, because I think the game's at two o'clock. I thought it was at three. So I've got hockey at home at 1.45. So I was going to be straight off the pitch, full kit, Uber to the stoop. Uber to the stoop. So I might still do it and hopefully get towards the back end of the second half and have a couple of drinks afterwards. But yeah, then you get I'm the looking at the game table as well. And then in the game after as well, yeah, maybe we need to get in, get in touch with the, uh, with the sort of stadium team and say... We all want to get down there and watch. Most of all of us will be there on time. I'll be there a bit late, but can we um, can we get the England game on in the bar afterwards? I'm sure they have it on anyway. I'd hope so. Yeah. So, but I'm just looking at the table: Bristol, Exeter, and us all won eight, lost three. Chiefs have got one draw, but we've got a game in hand. So we have 13 points. All separated by one point between three teams, isn't it? So just takes one weekend to swing that whole dynamic of the top four well, one, Saracens one good or bad weekend at either end yeah, well yeah, yeah exactly exactly Saracens are obviously comfortably top but to get a win off them and, and close that gap again a little bit kill a bit of their momentum do the double over them psychologically will be absolutely massive because 
will likely play them at some point in the playoffs, whether it be in a semi-final or a final. So to have beaten them twice already would have been amazing. So huge, huge contest this weekend. Big weekend coming up. Big weekend. The game changer. If we beat them, feeling a little bit more comfortable about where we're going to be sitting in and around that table. You know, hopefully Bristol and Exeter roll over and get beaten. It is tight. It's everybody beating everybody. There's draws all over the place. It is tight. And if we just keep chipping away, as long as we beat the teams around us, um, which we're doing with Gloucester, we've done it previously with Saracens. Um, we've had a tough time with, with Exeter and Bristol, but we're still in the mix with them. Our game in hands against Worcester, which should be points for yeah. us. But you never know. We thought the same thing about the men's side and Bath. You've still got to do a job, but we're, we're shaping I mean, up pretty well. Big weekend coming up. I'm really looking forward to it. Hopefully I can get to both games. Um, I'll, I'll certainly be there on the Sunday. Hopefully I can get in for the second half um, racing after hockey. But yeah, big weekend coming up and it's your birthday. So hey, any plans? Yeah, Saturday I'm going to a bar in Shepherd's Bush called Westwood, which I've never been to before with a load of mates to watch the England game. And then I'm trying to get a book in at Pagola Paddington at the moment, but they I'm waiting for confirmation on it. I've been around the houses. Night or is, that, is, that, is that for Saturday night? Or the yeah, Sunday that's, that's for the brunch? Saturday. Sunday, I'm going to do the, the sale game. So that's that's for the Saturday. Also, I've, I've not really cut out for a Sunday session anymore. So I'm going <laughs> to book it in for the Saturday. I've gone around the houses trying to get bookings. I've tried Jack's Bar in on King's Road. I've tried places in, in London Bridge. Um, no luck. Should we leave it there? We've got one note to wrap up the episode on, and it's a reminder of the Sports Podcast Awards Best Team yeah. Podcast nomination that we've received, which we're, we're gassed about. So opportunity for the club to become triple champions of England. Voting closes at the end of this month, so at the end of February, um, with the results coming first week of March. So we've got four weeks now to rally the troops, get around your friends, get around your family, takes two minutes to to submit a vote for us we're still top of our league um oh, wait, we're still top we're still top of our leaderboard mate yeah united are behind us and that worries me because i know united have got a huge fan base so all it takes well, is i'm one, actually um on social media <laughs> posts and they'll kill us <laughs> this is this this is sick actually uh dad texted me the other day he's doing half term on the tuesday have you got any plans oh, no not really um he's such a fancy united away with brighton my brother lives in leeds he's a like, pop across as well so I think I'm off to Old Trafford on that Tuesday night. I think it's oh the, class. Uh, yeah, well, I can't remember what it's 15th or 16th. I think off the top of my head. Oh, in half so maybe I'll go. I was going to say that works out really well. Yeah, over during half time. So maybe I'll walk around with a massive two woods four quarters. Start, <laughs> yeah. sla- start slagging off the United podcast. <laughs> we should get some stickers and start slapping them on lampposts around Old Trafford. I know. But maybe I'll start putting stuff above the toilets in the Old Trafford. In the Old Trafford ones. Don't <laughs> listen to the United pod. That's rubbish. Nice. Yeah, no, we, we've got to try and rally our troops, haven't we? Because I'm, I'm scared United have got the fan base to absolutely murder us when it comes to the last last couple of weeks. So, yeah, get behind that if you can. We'd really appreciate it. And uh, thanks for listening to this episode. Hopefully we'll see a lot of you down at the Steep on Sunday for the sale game. And hopefully Mike will catch a load of you down at the Steep for the, the game changer between Harlequins women and Saracens women on Saturday. Come on, let's have a double winning weekend. Come yeah. on, the quiz. Big double winning. 